Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another mini-sode of Colton Classic Podcast. These are the Friday episodes where we bring you uh, short extra bonus episodes to tide you over until our next main episode, uh, which launches on Tuesday, where we, of course, talk about a cult film and a classic film, rather mainstream film that have thematic links, and discuss them both. So for today's mini-sode, I wanted to bring you a review of Disney's most recently released 3D animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, this is a 2021 release. It's been in theaters for a while for uh, those of us who live in areas where theaters are open. And it's also been on Disney Premier Access on Disney+. Plus. Now, Disney Premier Access is that service where uh, you pay kind of a lot of money, like $30 to access a movie before... Uh, it's streams for free on Disney Plus. Um, but as you were listening to this today on Friday, June 4th, uh, this movie has been added to the free streaming for Disney Plus customers. So you have to have a Disney Plus membership, but it is free if you do. So uh, the question becomes, what is Raya and the Last Dragon about? And uh, is it good? Uh, this is a valid question, this latter one. Because Disney's uh, non-Pixar 3D animated films, of course, big Pixar fans here at Colton Classic Podcast. Um, Wally is one of the greatest films of all time, as well as many of their other features are really, really, all of the features are excellent. Um, but <clears throat> Disney's 3D animated features have some really amazing, top-tier, best-of-the-best quality productions, like, say, Zootopia or Moana, uh, music by... Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and in the in in the Heights fame, but they also have some mm, narrative misses that, while kids enjoy them, uh, are really not well crafted stories and and not that great. Uh, I put forward that Tangled is not a great film, and uh, likewise Frozen is also mm, kind of subpar. The animation and vocals are great in that one, but. The storyline is rather choppy and the characters really don't have a lot of motivation beyond uh, the younger sister. But I digress. So they, they've made some great movies and they've made some movies that are not very good as opposed to their 2D entries, which are pretty much stellar across the board, though uh, tastes may vary. Well, Rhea and the Last Dragon is interesting for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, Rhea, who is the lead, is the first Disney princess to be of uh, 
uh, of, of Southeast Asian descent, or really she's inspired, like her whole world is inspired by uh, uh, Myanmar and the Philippines and, and, and other places uh, like that that haven't had a huge amount of representation or any representation in Disney films. So that's nice. Uh, and she's voiced um, by uh, Rose from the Star Wars Skywalker saga films, um, who, of course, she's uh, the actress is Kelly Marie Tran, very talented actress. And uh, her sort of her, the dragon of the film's title is uh, named Sisu and is voiced by hilarious comedian and actress Aquafina. Of course, uh, she's also featured in the upcoming Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Marvel film, and she was in Jumanji Next Level, and she's going to be in the live-action Little Mermaid coming up from Disney. So got lots of projects down the pipeline, and she's very excellent. Um, <clears throat> and then I would say that the other character worth mentioning here, because there are quite a few characters in this film is Namari, uh, who's, who's voiced by, uh, Gemma Chan or Gemma Chan. I apologize for not knowing how to say her name properly. Uh, but she's a British actress, uh, of Asian ethnicity. She's in the Eternals, Marvel's upcoming 2021 film. Uh, but she's probably most well-known right now for crazy rich Asian. She played Astrid, uh, in the 2018 award-winning film. The reason I say that she's important is because, uh, she, a lot of the plot revolves around her actions. And also there's been a lot of fan discussion about this film regarding, uh, her character who is another princess and Rhea's character's, uh, romantic relationship. Of course, officially Disney does not have these two characters have a romantic relationship, but, uh, uh Tran during her recording, uh, has said that she pictured her, and uh, her character and Namari's characters as having a romantic relationship. And I'm going to be honest, uh, it's very it's very present there on screen and in the way this is performed. Whether or not they say that this is sort of a, a lesbian relationship officially, it's very clear that I think that that was an intent here. That's not just fanboying here because I actually, I'm gonna come out and say it, I didn't like this film. Uh, very much. I, I think it does a lot of things wrong and not very much right. Um, and <clears throat> that's unfortunate because I think a lot of people are so starved for seeing uh, natural um, same-sex romantic uh, partnerships in mainstream films, especially things like kids movies that and family films, that we sort of have to accept what we're handed, uh, even when it's not great. And Ray and the Last Dragon is one of those cases. Now, let's start with the plot, and then we'll go into the things that it, it's, it does well and things that it really kind of misses the mark on. Um, so the plot is, you're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, oh, that reminds me of this moment because it's very derivative, despite claiming to be original as far as um, where they get inspiration for the visuals. It's it's very derivative. Uh, you have a world with dragons who live in harmony with people. How to train your dragon, okay. Then uh, there is this thing called the Blight, which is um, like Sauron's darkness, uh, Lord of the Rings-y vibe. It's just this darkness that turns people into stone, it sort of consumes the land. And then the dragons fight back against it. And uh, the last dragon, Sisu, 
uses the the Heartstone, which is a combination of all of uh, the dragon's siblings' powers to compress into the stone, and it sends the Blight uh, back into some sort of ethereal prison. Uh, well, in the uh, resulting uh, sort of aftermath of this defeat of the Blight, uh, Sisu has gone missing, and the Heartstone is all that is left. So all the dragons are turned to stone or missing, and humans have to sort of rebuild. And what they do is they end up becoming five separate tribes named after different parts of the dragon, the spine, uh, the tail, the heart, whatever. And as you can imagine, the heart is where Rhea is from, and she's the princess of this region, and they have the Heartstone, and they guard it in a temple in sort of this underground waterway. Uh, Rhea's dad, the king of the Heartland, or he wants to have everybody come back together into this sort of mythical, unified country that they used to be before the Blight. And they invite all of the tribe people over to have this sort of meeting. And Namari is the princess of the uh, Fang clan, who is sort of the, the most advanced of these groups, it seems. And uh, she befriends Raya only to reveal that she's actually planning to backstab her and she and her mother are trying to steal the Heartstone because all the tribes think that the Heartstone gives great prosperity, uh, even though Raya's father says that's not the case. In the ensuing chaos, uh, the Heartstone is broken. All the tribes are trying to get a piece. So they all get a piece, they run off with it and it releases the Blight. The Blight uh, wipes out Raya's peoples, it seems, and turns her dad to stone and the world is thrown into chaos. We jump ahead yet again. And now let me tell you, this is three time zones we've been in. We've been in the sort of uh, background story about the Blight coming in the first place and the dragon stopping it. Then we get a brief period where Rhea is young and her dad is trying to unify the tribes and he gets turned to stone uh, after the Hearthstone is broken and stolen. And then we go to the current time, which most of the movie takes place in. This already is very jarring and a weird way to set up backstory. Uh, but we get to the current time and Rhea is uh, a young adult. She's riding her uh, sort of fur bear. It's this really cute creature, Tuk Tuk, that is like a, a sort of a, a, a hedgehog that has a hard armadillo exterior and it's very large. So it rolls around and she can ride on its back with a saddle. Just one of many little side characters, cute side characters that we get that don't have a huge amount of uh, impact on the story, which is yet another problem. Uh, and what happens is, is Rhea follows the old story that says Sisu, the, the last dragon, is uh, actually alive at the end of one of these river streams that all of the clans are um, bordering. She finds Sisu. Uh, Sisu pops up, uh, has to be brought up to date. Sisu is, of course, Aquafina. Very fun. It's been uh, compared to Robin Williams' genie for two reasons. One, she's just kind of a crazy character and she's magical and she's blue. Uh, that's about it. There's really no comparison to be made here. Um, it's not that she's a bad character. It's just that there's no payoff to any of the actions of the characters in these movies, in this movie. Um, also, I would say from a design perspective, none of the dragons look 
like any form of dragon that I've seen. And being a, a young man in America, I, of course, have been obsessed with dragons for most of my life, especially childhood, uh, including uh, sort of Chinese and Southeast Asian dragons. This very much looks like she looks like a dog, like a dog ferret uh, with a unicorn horns. I'm not saying it's a terrible design. It just it really reads more like my little pony vibe than any sort of dragon. And I really think they could have done better to keep the Southeast Asian dragon vibe without creating something that really doesn't look like any uh, of, of their source materials that, that they've shown. So that's not my favorite thing. Uh, <clears throat> but she finds, Rhea finds Sisu and uh, they go on a quest to get the pieces of the Heartstone from each of the tribes. Now, this is another problem. All of the tribes are purported to have these unique personalities, perspectives, strengths, design, but we see almost none of them as the film blazes through uh, Rhea getting these Hearthstones. And each time she goes to one of these places, pretty much she collects another uh, or several sort of um, helper side characters. There is um, Tong, voiced by Benedict Wong, uh, who is the big uh, spine warrior uh, with a heart of gold. And they get... Um, this baby who is a con artist uh helped by three sort of hilarious monkeys um so we get all four of those um we get a little boy who runs a uh a shrimp boat eatery uh, and they're all thrown together and this is again with tuk tuk the big fur bear creature and yet none of them get a huge amount of screen time we don't really get a lot of information about them we get their backstories very slightly the backstories let me guess they're all um sort of uh, orphaned by the blight turning their family and friends into stone it's just we're thrown so much that there's no time to develop anything uh all the while uh namari is chasing Rhea, um trying to figure out why she's collecting the pieces of the heartstone and uh Namari's her homeland is sort of uh, on an artificial or like a created peninsula so it's very technologically advanced for this age never explained um but they also have fierce giant cats that they ride into battle all of this is like just a couple of minutes tops of screen time if that um and so we're given all of these interesting details that are never shown to their full extent, never developed, nothing ever happens with them. But Namari is sort of the harsh uh, uh, masculine energy of this movie. Um, and that's, I know I'm going to get flack for using that from some people, but it is kind of true. I'm not saying she's uh, male or she's masculine, but she brings the aggressive energy um, because she's trying to chase Raya. And Raya kind of blames Namari for the whole thing happening, as she should. Um, and what it comes down to is everyone eventually is turned to stone, except um, Namari and uh, Raya and her core group. And Sisu's whole big thing has been that she has to learn to trust people. So she gives the pieces of the Heartstone to Namari and says, I trust you. But several times in this movie, Namari has broken this trust. And in fact, the last time she broke it, she actually shot uh, Sisu in the chest and killed Sisu. Yes, we have a death of the dragon, the last dragon in this film. Uh, yes, there's a resurrection, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's just no... Uh, 
sort of moral reasoning for this trust. It does not feel like a payoff. It feels like this uh, other character, Namari, is given advantage after advantage, uh, and it, it, it feels wrong, and we don't like it as an audience, and that's a huge problem. Now, the tension between Raya and Namari, um, as we've said, it seems romantic, is uh, there, and it's viable, and great for that. Um, but it's not developed. It's not a core component of the story. It just it may influence their acting, and I think it did, uh, and probably the directing a little bit, but it's it's ultimately fruitless. Uh, what's more is that the plot makes zero sense to do all of this. Um, to actually destroy the Blight, they combine the Heartstone and then uh, that's it? <laughs> they turn to stone and then the Heartstone sort of does a, a, a late reaction and wipes out the Blight, uh, revives all the dragons, and somehow resurrects Sisu uh, doesn't make any sense. There's lots of little things that don't make sense too. For example, the pieces of the Heartstone all grant Sisu different abilities, each ability being um, part of uh, her her related dragons. So her older brother has one power, uh, like shape-shifting or walking on air slash water or whatever. And yet, when, every, when all the dragons are revived at the end, all of the dragons have the same powers, it seems, and uh, as each other and just run around. And by the way, we hear nothing from the other dragons. We just see them flying in the sky. We're given shots of them, but there's no voice acting. It's just, it's very, very strange. I don't understand what the ultimate goal is. And here's where I think we get to the biggest reason for all of this, which is, um, let's, let me just go through the cast and writing credits here. Now, everyone here has valid, excellent credentials to their name. Uh, the, the directors and writers have worked on Moana, um, Big Hero 6, uh, and several of the other films that I mentioned that aren't that great, but Zootopia, which is fantastic. So um, it's not that they're not good at what they do, but we'll get to the problem. The directed by credits read as Don Hall, Carlos Lopez Estrada, Paul Briggs, and John Ripa. That's four co-directors. Okay. Then we get the writing credits. Uh, Q Nguyen, uh, Adele Lim, Paul Briggs, Don Hall, Adele Lim, Carlos Lopez Estrada, uh, Kiel Murray, Q Nguyen, uh, which is already listed, uh, uh, John Ripa, and Dean Wellens. That is a huge number of writers, a huge number of directors, and what that tells us is that there is no focus to this film. Um, a million ideas that are not developed, they are um, cliche, as I said, you'd recognize a lot of things. Um, it's got, it smacks of How to Train Your Dragon, it smacks of Moana, um, it smacks heavily of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, all the different tribes trying to come together. Um, what else? I mean, it just, it's, it's all things that have been done elsewhere kind of crammed in there. And I just don't understand what the intent was for so many of these ideas. We also get sort of juvenile joke material that's not that interesting, like the, the butt bomb beetles that um, uh, release gas that then ignites, um, which, by the way, we've seen before in How to Train Your Dragon with one of the dragons. Um, and also the design individually, all of the pieces and the creature designs and character designs is quite beautiful and quite excellent. Um, but together, it the colors are almost a carbon copy paste of uh, what we see in the crudes. And that's a great color scheme, 
but in the crudes, sort of the intent is that it's separated by biome. So you have different color sets that are very bright and vibrant in each separate part of a, what's essentially a, a traveling movie, right? It's a journey movie. And in this one, it's a journey movie, but all of the pieces, the colors are all over the place. The colorful beetles are in the middle of the brown beige desert. Um, the uh, the Fang people uh, live in a very sterile white, sort of Grecian-ish uh, vibed area with aqueducts, but there's no color there. Uh, and, and it's just, everything bleeds together, yet it somehow still doesn't fit. It's like having a meal and tasting a couple of different things that really don't mesh. Uh, I've gone a, on a long time about this movie, but I've seen a lot of love for this movie and I'm glad people are enjoying it, but it is a thematically and narratively dysfunctional film. And I really, really think that that's partially why it's sort of underperformed in theaters and streaming. I mean, you're asking people to pay $30 to watch a film at home that's not that great when they can stream any number of other releases that are far superior. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to, to, to uh, get a review copy uh, visual this rather than actually have to pay $30 to stream it. I mean, seeing it in theaters would be fine. Let me get this across also. It's a visually attractive film. It's uh, competently made. Um, and there's genuinely some delightful moments with some of the side characters, the pickpocket or the, the con artist baby, Sisu, they have some really great moments. Um, but as a whole, it just doesn't work very well. Is, did I find it better than say Tangled? Yeah, but it has the same problems Tangled did. It's derivative of other works and some stuff just doesn't fit. Like why does Rapunzel have a, a chameleon for her animal companion? What does that have to do with anything? Um, so it can match her paint color. It's not enough to merit that decision being made to include that character uh, as, as is. So this movie suffers that. Did I like it? No. Um, was I upset after I watched it? A little bit, yeah, because it's a lot of wasted potential. Um, do I think kids will enjoy it? Sure. Is there a big cry moment when the last dragon that they've grown to love, the best character in the whole thing, gets shot in the chest and dies for the last part of the movie? Yeah, um, I do think that's a bummer. And uh, is there a lesson the kids are gonna get from this? No, there isn't. It doesn't pay off and it doesn't work uh, narratively so i really i think this one is a rental uh wait for i mean it's streaming for free on disney plus you have disney plus give it a watch i don't think it's going to be one of the favorites uh, which is unfortunate because we need more strong female leads the fight scenes are fun um they're based off of um uh filipino stick fighting which we've talked about before when we talked about uh, uh the process aka ultimate fight with ernie race jr really cool stuff so there's things that are worth seeing would i recommend it if you're going to pay for it no. If you just don't have anything else and it sounds like what you're in the mood for, give it a watch. But don't expect miracles. It's kind of a busted movie. Well, that's it for this mini-sode of Cult and Classic Podcast. I've rambled on for 20 minutes about Ray and the Last Dragon, Disney's newest 3D animated feature uh, to have been released. Uh, we will touch base with you when we get the next one. And keep your earballs open and like and subscribe and write a review of our podcast if you like us. Uh, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.